Welcome to the Hail to the District podcast with your host, Rajan Nanavati. Uh, what's up, everyone? Welcome to the Hail to the District podcast. Um, he's Pat. I'm Rajan. We're back. Uh, I didn't know this podcast was going to take place this episode because, as I was telling Patrick moments before we aired, I mean, what in God's name was there to talk about? Um, or, I mean, it's one of those situations where there's lots to talk about and nothing to talk about simultaneously in the 24 to 8 loss against the Eagles that was nowhere near as disgusting as the final score would indicate. I mean, in the years that we've been watching this team play football, it was as bad a performance as we've seen in the past two decades. I mean, it goes right up there with anything we saw from Spurrier, from year two of Zorn, from some of the early Shanahan years. I mean, I'm missing some other ones in between. And and Gruden is a dead man walking. And I mean, it's just, it was a complete and utter embarrassment at every single level. Um, I mean, I'm not even talking about the fact that the stadium was like 75% green. That's table stakes at this point. We just assume that like we, you know, we are the home, we are the home stadium for every visiting team. But like, even after that, I mean, just, I can't even call it putrid because putrid may have some redeeming value. There was nothing. I mean, and I want to be very clear, nothing redeeming about the way Washington performed last. Yes. On yesterday, what is it? Monday night. Yes. So yesterday Um, I'll stop now, Pat, open the floor up to you yeah i mean i <laughs> i was uh joking with you before the before you started recording that um my buddies were were mad there was no podcast this morning because we were both they wanted to hear your hate <laughs> we always say if you have hate in your heart let it out um yeah yesterday was bad i wouldn't go sit and say is the worst we've seen i mean we've not we've the seen, worst it's not Monday night every, we've seen every worst you can have yeah um, you know, we've had Monday night massacres. We've had, I mean, the Sunday night thing last year, when we played Dallas. We've had, oh, that was, yeah. uh, you know, we've had the body bag game. If you want to go way back, uh, we've seen bad from every angle, but the stats that are coming out from yesterday are just like, they're actually kind of unbelievable. Negative 16 passing yards. Negative yeah. Negative 16, 16 at one point we, um, net for those listening. Um, the other thing is, it's just like, Here's where I am with this team. We're three weeks in, and Ron, for since the day Ron took over, he has preached year three, year three, year three, year three, year three. And here we year are. Year three is the big year. And we're we're three games into year three, and it looks like we're getting worse every single game. We're the only team in the NFL that is in the bottom five of DVOA in both offense and defense. Um you know, do we, we make it to the bottom five in DVOA of offense? Because we were well entrenched there in well, defense. We've been outscored 46 to nothing in the first half of the last two games. Uh, Jay Gruden had two winning seasons in his first three. Uh, my favorite stats so far, there's a couple of them that I've seen. These are all Ron Rivera because I'm, I'm, I'm coming at some point, whether he's good for our franchise or not, you still got to win football games. He's coached 36 games, not including playoffs. Nine different times the opposing team has scored the first 20, point, 20 points in the game. That's 25%. Literally one one in four games. One in four we games. Out, we, we go down to a 20 nothing. He's defense. 15 and 21 um, as a uh, coach of the Skins or the Commanders. Uh, he's 7 and 6 when we score first. Like, we never come out prepared. We always get our asses blown. Like, how many times – I would love to know the stat of how many times it didn't happen – I actually don't think it's happened yet, but how many times they've uh, opposing team has scored in the first first drive? Every it's, week it's every week it's something new. La- week one it was like, well, we barely won, but like, uh, Jamin sucked. Week two was, uh, holy shit, the defense was terrible, pretty much the entire game. Touchdown, Saquon. Yeah. Uh, Bitch. uh, but the offense came back this past week. It was just like, you know what? It's all shit. Everything's shit. Right. Um. So I don't know what to do with this team. Like I don't, I can't get excited about the Dallas game. I'm sitting here wondering when Sam Howell's going to play. And it's all because, like, look, I think Ron is great for our organization, and I'm glad he's there. But he can't be the head coach if this keeps happening. Like he can't because in the day, he sucks. Our team sucks. The coordinator sucks. Scott Turner. I mean, Scott Turner might as well have been MIA uh, against the Eagles. Like the whole team sucked. And that's it's happened enough where I'm now putting it wrong. 
I'm going to take the Sam Howell bait for just a second, and I'm not going to touch. You know you want to see him, but I'm not going to. I'm not. I'm not going to. He's not getting sacked nine times. I'm not going there. He's not going to just stand there, turn into a pumpkin. The thing that made me that frustrated me among many, many other things. So I had a couple, I I've mentioned this. I have a few Eagles fans in my orbit from family members who are in Philadelphia. And all of them were so quick to tell me like in the week leading up to games, like, do you hate Carson yet? You hate Carson yet? And I'm like, I know you don't watch any football. This is after the first two weeks of the, of the season. This is before the Eagles came. And they're like, I know you don't watch any football besides the Eagles. And actually, I don't think they watch the Eagles, to be honest with you. And I'm like, I know you don't because you're just looking up quotes from Barstool Sports and, you know, and maybe the occasional Warren Sharp tweet and just, you know, being like, oh, you know, Carson Wentz sucks. And it's like, you have no clue about what's going on with the rest of the team. And it's fine. It's pretty, you know, you guys don't have two brain cells to rub together generally from in Philadelphia when it comes to sports, but, or sports outside of Philly sports. And sure enough, that comes back to bite me in the ass because Wentz played like ass, right? Like oh, it, was, it was absolutely incredible in, in the sense. He so looked like, he looked like John Beck. I think in certain cases I want to be, I, I find myself defending him and I don't know why. Well, I know why, but there's a few things to this. I mean, I defended Beck. I defended Grossman. I defended McNair. Like we always can defend whoever's back. I never defend. Well, I did defend Dwayne Hasselback. Oh yeah, yeah, for, you, for, you know you did. I, pro- I probably defended Hasselback when he's back there. Remember him, Tim? Tim Hasselback lost to the All Orange Dolphins. We said this, and I think it was in our failed podcast offensive preview episode where I dove deep into Wentz, and I said this very overtly and very clearly that. Wentz operates best when he's not under pressure and the offensive line, keeping the pressure away from him was going to be absolutely instrumental. Two things was going to be instrumental when Wentz is on, it's because he is not pressured or they can keep a clean pocket around him or when the play action game is effective. Neither of those two have been the case over the last two games, at least half against Detroit and the entirety against the Philadelphia game. And when the YOLO passes start coming, when he starts getting happy feet all of those things start taking place when he gets pressure in his in, in front of him or when he gets pressure on him or however you want to phrase it. And he did this against Detroit. He did this for most of the game uh, against the Eagles where the minute he starts getting pressured, he starts sailing passes. There were a few really just wild throws he had. Um, uh, there was one play I want to talk about in hi- that I wanted to highlight where like it's just it was so like self-flagellation like you know you know encompassed right it was um we stopped the we stopped i'm looking at my notes right now we stopped them on the fourth and one the jet sweep great play by the defense and i want to also a terrible play call uh yeah the jet sweeps in really in vogue if you've been watching a lot of like the other games a lot of teams i don't care if it's in vogue you you got the best running team in the nfl just give the ball to running back no disagreements there uh we stopped them on the fourth and one and Gibson rips off an 11 yard gain right after that first and 10 Wentz rolls out on that bootleg or waggle or whatever you want to call it. And he misses John Beck. Who's wide. I think, uh, uh, I, think that ball, I think that ball was tipped. I don't know. Regardless the, the ball was, a, it was a worm burner. It falls at his feet. I know exactly, go, the, exactly the play you're talking about. We go three and out right after that, right? Wentz, uh, he sails the ball to Terry McLaurin right after that, and then he he fumbles when he got when uh, when Hassan Reddick beat, got beat by Sam Cosby. By the way, I don't ever, ever, ever want to hear anyone ever say a nice word about Sam Cosby again. He fucking yeah. blew yesterday. Yeah, he, he absolutely sucked. <laughs> he had a bad game. <laughs> right? I mean, him and Leno, both tackles were terrible. Oh, yeah. Leno doesn't get any. All five of them, and I tweeted this, I think, from our account, all five players got beat repeatedly. Schweitzer got his ass handed to him. Norwell got his ass handed to him. Trey Turner definitely got his ass handed to him, and both the tackles got their ass handed to him. And I think just for good measure, Cornelius Lucas coming off the six man's bench when Cosmic got hurt, I think he got his ass handed to him just to make sure that he didn't get, you know, he didn't miss out on the party. Everyone fucking sucked. But going back to Wentz, this is who Wentz is. And, you know, you can blame a little bit of like, I, from a, if you want to be the glass half full, that this is his third game in this offense. There's still some acclimation period. When he the first row is a throw is available, he's usually on target, assuming all other things are in a good situation. But over the last two games, and I think this is the bigger problem that no one seems to be really harping on. And I'm saying this from a very pro Scott Turner or used to be pro Scott Turner perspective. He's like nothing is open. And what you saw repeatedly from the Eagles 
defense was that they sat on everything. They would do two things. They did exactly what the Lions did. They repeatedly pressured the interior of the offensive line. I said this before the season started. The interior Fletcher of the offensive Cox, line Fletcher is, Cox is a massive problem. For multiple Jordan rounds. Davis is a I, – I, I, will, I will never forget for being like, oh, Jordan Davis, I don't know, one-trick pony, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, this guy is a fucking monster. He's the and, Georgia guy, right? Yeah, the Georgia guy, right? He's I mean, like – yeah, I mean, he runs like a 4-9. And he's 370 pounds and six feet. And he could eat Vita Vea. <laughs> yes. I said he reminded me so much of Vita Vea. Whenever I was like, oh, I don't know, Vita Vea, is he good? And I'm like, he's 360 pounds and he moves like a ballerina. And you're worried about this? And it's the same thing with Jordan Davis. That guy's a smooth Ooh, that a eater, right? That was a clever play call. Um, and so we could, they, the interior of the offensive line got their ass handed to them. The Eagles did exactly what the Lions did. They just did it for four quarters in terms of pressure the offense, make us beat them with beating the blitz or beating pressure. And we can't, we just, our offense turned into a pumpkin. Like there's nothing else to say about it. So I don't disagree with anything you said. I think Wentz was, I mean, Wentz was terrible. He got sacked nine times. Five of them were probably his fault. Um, I'd say and three. The, and well, three to five, whatever. Yeah. The, uh, uh, I kind of want Dallas to win this game because then everyone's two and one, so we're not that far behind. Uh, uh, what was you say? Oh, for Wince, it was like I think a lot of the sacks were on him. Some of them just weren't. Some of them, like Cosme and Leno, were both terrible. Uh, literally the first play of the game, Fletcher Cox just basically picked up Schweitz, Schweitzer and threw threw him into into Wince. Like the line was terrible the whole game. Norwell looks like maybe the single most unathletic human being playing guard. In the if, history, one quick mind. aside this is Why a point we... that I haven't heard anybody else talk about. If you want to be glass half full, I am not glass half full. Everyone knows of my hatred levels. I'm not glass half full. However, if you want to be, I think one of the big things that no one is also, as I mentioned, is alluded to. One of the, the reporters and everybody covering the team before the season began really talked about the fact that Rulier was so instrumental in getting protections in place and setting the line and really kind of being the quote-unquote second pair of eyes for Carson Wentz. Rulier is obviously gone. Schweitzer is in. I think that is a piece of the puzzle. I'm not saying that's in the entirety of the puzzle by any stretch, but Schweitzer, Schweitzer at center? Schweitzer at center it being the downgrade from Rulier not being the same level of being able to kind of set the table for the offensive line. But anyway, continue. Mm-hmm. That dude, that dude snaps worse than me. Yeah. Snaps were all over the place. Uh, here's my thing with Wentz. I'm just going to get to the point with my, with my Wentz. He's got a fucking peanut brain. All week, he heard about the Eagles. All week. And what was the narrative coming into this season? Oh, he's not a great leader. Oh, he gets rattled easy. Oh, he got pissed because uh, Foles came in, won the Super Bowl. He's, he's, he doesn't have a competitive nature that you need to be a quarterback. And all week he heard about the Eagles. Then freaking Schefter Sunday mornings like the Skins were going to trade for Garoppolo. Which I 100% believe. I know Ron called it crap. Everyone believes. Everyone knows it's true. Ron. 150% believe it. It's not even news. Yeah. Literally Ron stood up there and said, we're calling every single team. But it's not even that. If you really go back and listen to like the March podcast right after the Russ trade went uh, Russ got traded to Denver because Russ was always option number one. Let's not get it twisted. We went all in for Russ. We would have offered three oh, number ones. And, and hey, every, thank, thank God we didn't do that. <laughs> I was going to say, right? Hindsight is 50 50. Had tip Steve Spurrier. Um, but Jimmy G was number two. And if you listen to the beat reporters and stuff like that, they have alluded to it in so many different ways that they are, that's probably next on the list. It's yeah. heard from so many different places. <clears throat> when was that on left field? My point is all this comes out and then all of a sudden Wentz looks like he's never played quarterback before because he's just standing there in the pocket letting people eat him so rather than moving around trying to be a gamer. <laughs> like, I think the stage was too big for him uh, yesterday or when we played yesterday. I think that's what happened. I think he crawled up. He's a mental midget. Uh, he'll have games where he balls out. But, like, I honestly think with every, all the hype living up to the game, the Eagles bringing all their fans, which was a home game for them, the report from Garoppolo, Ron just constantly being in front of the camera, being like, he's our guy, he's our guy, he's our guy, he's our guy, he's our guy. He's our guy. <laughs> and then coming out after the game and seeing that was that report was BS because of timing. I think Wentz is just a mental midget. That's what it comes down to. And the Eagles rattled him, and he was shook the rest of the game. And he was like, yeah, I need to be better. This tax on me. Yeah, they're on you. Because I just truly don't think 
he was prepared for the moment. I think he shriveled up, got in his corner, and we saw an offense that went – I think we had four first downs in the first half yesterday. whoop de doo Terry McLaurin didn't get his first catch until eight minutes into the third quarter. Like, that stuff can't happen. And yet here we are. We also miss B-Rob badly. I need a running back. I love Gibson. I love him. But we need a running back who's going to be back there, understand how to, how to make cuts, how to pick up extra yards, and just run an offense around him because – Gibson leaves too much out there, and he's so good in space. Like, I want him to be able to operate in space, not not between tackles. I know it's well, kind of random, but. I'll play the devil's advocate with you slightly on this, and I can't believe I'm going to take the stance, but in some cases, right? So, in this, we go, um, there was two three and outs uh, in the second half, right? Uh, we get the ball back, and uh, so what happened? I'm looking at my uh, so there's a deep shot to McLaurin. I think it could, uh, I can't remember if that was the one they hit or not. Anyway, it's third and 12. Dotson, uh, Wentz does a dart, hits Dotson right between the he numbers. He drops it. Hits him and he drops it, right? Absolutely. That was a big one. And that was the four, That was the drive that ended with the fourth and goal shuffle pass that ended, went nowhere. That was one of the worst shuffle passes they've ever seen in the history of football, by the way, right? I, I mean, someone, was- someone tweeted, someone tweeted, uh, I think it was Felix. Uh, what's his name? Felix. Uh, whatever his name is, he covers the team. Uh, he tweeted out, "Oh, the shovel pass didn't work. Shocking, <laughs> right? Yeah, that's <laughs> pretty." The ensuing oh, play was the was the safety, and we'll, we'll we'll circle back to that in a second. Uh, following drive, right? Cosme sack. Next play, right after Cosme gives up the sack, uh, uh, went another rope on third and twenty two. Terry McClure drops it right in front of the first down marker, right? He did, he did drop that. And so I get it, right? Like, I'm not defending Wentz playing well. He sailed so many passes in the first half. He is equally as culpable uh, for as anybody else in terms of our shit performance in the first half. But there were glimpses. There were moments in the second half where things could have started to go and everything around him collapsed. Around him? Around him collapsed. And, I mean, it, it was – it's one of those things where, look, yeah, everybody played like, I mean, Wentz played like ass and the offensive line played like ass, but so many people had a contribution in the general playing like ass field. Uh, not generally going to disagree because when, when Dawson dropped the ball, I literally out loud was like, oh, okay. It's one of those days. That's that's exactly my sentiment. I'm like, no one's showing up today. Terry Terry dropped the ball that he's caught a hundred times. Um, McKissick dropped the ball on yep. uh, a little in route from, from the running back. It's just one of those days for, for – Nothing went right. I also, by the way, square. I'm still looking at Ron and Scott. I think the offensive game plan in the last two weeks has been absolutely horrendous. Like for the Eagles game, the Washington Post literally wrote an article about how much the Lions blitzed, and we did nothing about it. And they bullied us for the first half. This past week, the Eagles didn't have to blitz, but here we are lining up Carson and doing seven-step drops with zero crossing patterns. Uh, zero screens, no way to get the ball into like Terry or Curtis's hands quickly. Instead, we're doing these like drawn out handoffs to Curtis that went nowhere. But I think that was kind of their game plan to retaliate against. If you notice, they ran a ton of draws. They set up a couple of screens. It, they did. What screen I mean, did they run? Yeah, I think there's maybe one or two, but there was a couple of one or two broken screens that they tried to run. But just to your point, they have to know the teams are going to do this now. They have to, I mean, think about it. Micah fucking Parsons next week in terms of Dallas, right? Pointing to the TV because the, the Monday night game is on. But like, you have to realize that just like what the Lions did, they're like, if our back seven is ass, fine. We'll blitz everybody. We'll blitz nine guys. You clearly can't stop it. And you clearly have no idea how to beat a blitz. And the fact that we have not come up with a viable strategy, and even if we have come up with a viable strategy, it's definitely not working whatever you think, whatever strategy you have. I just, I don't understand it sometimes. I thought we, I thought the game plan coming out against Detroit was terrible. I thought it was absolutely terrible. We played this cutesy, stupid bullshit style of offense instead of going right for them and tacking downtown. Now I did say a thing in my in the pod that I'm like, we might've tried to take a few shots and have some seven step drops set up. But the problem was, is that we couldn't protect anybody. And it's exactly what happened again this week bunch of seven step drop plays a bunch of deep you know drop back passing plays and we were just getting our ass handed to us because nothing was open here's what annoys me i live in seattle i would say i know a lot about football but i'm not an expert you live in somewhere in maryland and 
I would say you know a fair bit about football. You read articles before games, yada, yada, yada. I knew going in there, if we were going to have success, that the running backs had to be involved in the running game or in the passing game. Balls had to be out. We had a quick slants. Yeah, like everything I read, even uh, the athletic, um, what's his name? Standing interviewed the Philly, whoever the Philly guy is. Yes. And he was like, like, what do you think of how Wentz is going to do this weekend? The Philly guy's like, it'll be interesting because like the Eagles defense is designed to prevent pushing the ball down the field. So the layups are there. If he just takes them, they're there. But and then he was and then he was like, but you know, Carson doesn't like to take layups, so we'll see what happens. No, no, go look at the fumble. Go watch the play where he fumbles. There are two running backs ready to catch the ball three yards beyond the line of scrimmage, and he just doesn't throw them ball. Nikki Javala, the Washington Post, tweeted out a few clips. And if you go back and watch them, they corroborate everything you just said. There yeah, were multiple, awesome. there were multiple instances oh, where Gibson's leaking on the flat, McKissick is leaking on the flat. And Wentz is trying to look for the hero ball, which is a hundred for fifty percent one of his his massive character flaws or or, or football flaws. Um, my thing going back to, to the counter to that is that again, if we're going to talk about Philadelphia, Andy Reid made an entire living off of the screen game of dumping it off to a dual threat running back to I mean, he still does. opposing to in blitzes. Yeah, he still does to a certain extent. They don't have a fucking running back. I have Claudia Edwards Hilaire on my fantasy team. I just bang my head against the wall every time he gets the pass. Literally seven rushes for zero yards yesterday for Clyde Edwards Hilaire. <laughs> that's that's it's like it's impressive, right? Like I'm not even mad at you. Like I'm just impressed. Um and we we just I don't know. We we seem to run the wrong plays against the wrong defenses, and it's 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 pretty impressive, actually. You know, what sucks is like down. What we're watching, I'm watching this uh, Dallas uh, Giants game, and we play in Dallas next week against probably Cooper Rush. Although there's some there's some scuttlebug that we might see Dak. There's no, but way like, Dak. but like Dallas doesn't scare me. Now Parsons may may have 15 sacks alone, but overall Dallas doesn't really scare me. Their defense is really good. Offense doesn't. And, like, that's a game we should win, I feel like. And I can't sit here and tell you we are. And that's what sucks. Like, I don't have much – although I will – oh, man, Danny Dimes is so bad. Like, both these teams are, are probably worse than this on paper. Oh, Dallas probably isn't. And I think we should beat them both, and I just, like, don't think we will. That's what sucks. Especially because yesterday the defense actually played half bad or half decent. So, I – I, I Fuller, Fuller got picked on. There were three players that do not deserve, and you alluded to at least one of them. Uh, there were three players in yesterday's game who do not deserve the ire of anybody, and I think two are fairly obvious. Well, one is fairly obvious, and one is actually not I think, obvious. I don't know who you're talking about, but the two I got are Jamin played well, St. Juice played well. And the third, I mean, yeah, because he's the best player on the team. Right. And we should give him the bag. Yeah. Fuck you, Sweat. Sweat and doesn't do anything. He doesn't do anything. It's really funny you say that. I was so uh, I, I tried to avoid. I, so when we do these podcasts, I'd really try to avoid listening to any other content so that I'm not copying somebody else's take. But I ended up because I wasn't sure if this pod was we were going to do this this week, so I ended up listening to John Kimes post game, which I always enjoy listening to because it's somewhat measured and rational. Not somewhat; it's entirely compared to ours. He's very rational, um, and he was very po- pro sweat. Um, he was very, he's like, it's, it's close. It's so close. I've been it's saying so it's close, close for three years. He's pressing. It is. 2.0. I know close is only good in horseshoes and hand grenades. I get it. But he's like, it's cause uh, Nikki, Jab- uh, no, he was making the comparison. He said with Preston Smith, Preston Smith was always like, or, he didn't mention Arakpo, but I was like, Arakpo was always one hold away from getting a sack. Every play gets held and he never developed a counter. He's like, Preston Smith was always one foot away from getting the sack. He's like, he's always one foot away. And he goes, Montez Sweat is six inches. He's like, it's just close. He's like, every single time. He's like, you just, and he did say, he's like, you wait and you wait and you wait and you wait and you wonder, but he's like, it's just inches every single time. But, uh, dude, I've been, I've been on this Montez Sweat train you that, that he is not that good for a couple of weeks now. And everyone is like throwing PFF stats at me. Kime saying he's close. Wapo saying he's close. Like I get it, he, and he's good at you know causing uh, uh, pressures. And like I, I gave him, I tip my cap to him after the Jaguars game. The interception that Lawrence threw that won the game was directly because he had sweat running full sprint at him. He's a freak athlete. He's, the, he's a first round pick. But here's here's what I got. The dude has six tackles on the year. Guess how many tackles for a loss he has? Zero. Bupkis. 
sacks zero. Like, this is the same thing every year. Last year, all we kept saying is he's close, he's close, he's close, he's close. You have <laughs> you have, you have every right to say he's never developed past 2020. Right? Yeah. Like he's never he's never he's never topped his 2020 performance. In fact, he's actually steadily regressed. You have every right to say, or he has like regressed like since that. And I, the part that I just like sacks are a little bit like pitching wins. This the wins for pitcher. Like you can dominate a game and not and not get a win. But those guys that are dominating those games pitching wise will go seven innings and give up one run and like completely semi-dominate a game whether they win or not. Right. You have people like the Bosa brothers, Von, Von Miller, um, you know, Khalil Mack. Uh, these guys, these elite pass rushers, people don't talk about them being close. They they're finish. The time. They're game planned against and they finish. I hate the Bosa brothers, A, because they went to Ohio State, and B, because of the way they carry themselves in an off the field perspective. Uh, they're always wrecking shit. They're, they're always, 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 look always. At, look at TJ Watt last year. He was getting yeah. double teamed every single down, and he still had like 25 sacks. Yeah. Then the weird part is, is I don't think that's an exaggeration. I think he had like 23 or 24. Yeah, he at least he had a kid. He he did, didn't, didn't he break the record? I don't remember. I'm not uh, gonna it my right point now. is, is like with Sweat, I don't want, I, he's not those guys. We know that. But at some point, when you are averaging, I mean, he's, has he ever had more than eight sacks in a year? Do you spend that much capital? Because remember, we traded up to get him. And you can't sit here and be like, well, he doesn't have, you know, they pay all the attention to him. And no, they don't. They pay all the attention to Payne and Allen. My only counter to that was we traded up in this from the second round up to like 25 or 26. Um, we still had to give up capital because Dan wanted Haskins. That was going to say, and as we've talked about multiple times, if we had sat pat, sat pat, and stood pat, excuse me, we had stood pat at fifteen or whatever it was where we ended up taking Haskins, it would have been Sweat at that time because I think Sweat was a big Kyle Smith pick. I'm just so tired of people telling me Sweat is close. Yeah, I don't. If I'm our gonna... defense is going to be really good, those ends have to pick up sacks and dominate, and we don't know what Chase is going to be, but. Bottom line for me is Sweat hasn't shown up. He, if you look at the pressures like yesterday, I think he only had one pressure the entire game. Yep. Um, meanwhile, like I texted this to my buddies after the first series. Literally the first series, I think we forced the Eagles to go three now. Um, and I was like, we need to run the ball and control the clock because Allen and Payne literally cannot come out of the game. Right. Uh, so and then that's the second, another. In the second in the second quarter, the Eagles had the ball for the majority of the quarter, and that's when they scored all twenty four other points. Oh, the Giants just fucked it. That was a what a awful play. The Giants just jumped offsides. Yeah, on that offsides or whatever the or the Cowboys just did. Um, so it's it's the obvious layman's look at football, but it's it's still very very true. The fact that when our offense is just consistently three and out, 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 if not two and out on you know in the first half of games, it's just biology man you're gonna wear the shit out of your defense particularly when we've got like three healthy defensive linemen i was actually impressed with the dude we signed off the cowboys uh practice squad he was actually um semi-decent we, we held up i thought pretty well against the run all things considered if you want to uh, add a fourth player who played well obata kind of played decently yeah he had a sack. yeah you know jamin has three sacks Jamin does have three sacks. So because he gets credit because he's the closest defender when Jalen Hurts runs out of bounds. Jamin, so I actually want to say this. Um, and again, his speed, his speed flash multiple times. Not only that, so the old school, if you remember, like in the nine, like the nineties when you when the, the concept of the dual threat quarterback was still this like this novelty, right? You guys basically have like, you know, the fumes of Randall Cunningham and like Steve Young and maybe somebody else like that, the random people who would pop up from time to time. And the idea was always, you know, oh, use a spy, like use a spy, right? He but the, hurts quarter, the, whole game. the quarterbacks got so athletically so much better athletically that you couldn't, there's no player who could be a spy. Like generally speaking, like who was ever going to be a spy for Michael Vick? Like there's no player on the field who's as gifted athletic, as athletically as him. Right. Davis was able to do that for Hertz. I think we contain Hertz a lot more than we probably yeah. realized because Davis was so good. Not only, not only, I mean, athletically in general, but like whenever Davis, uh, whenever Hertz, excuse me, started running to the sidelines to break contain and stuff like that. I mean, you saw multiple times where 
Davis looks like he was running like a bat out of hell to in closing there in. There's there's a play his first sack, which came in the first quarter, I think. Hertz tried to break contain and try to get to the edge. And go watch it. Jamin comes out like a freaking bullet. Yeah. From the middle of the field and, and Hertz has to slide so he gets credit for the sack. Right. But like Jamin totally blew that entire play up. And I was like, whatever that is, bottle that and give me 17 games. And now we're cooking gas, right? Well, but, I saw yeah. someone, I saw someone, I, I have no idea who said this. It's not my original thought. I wish it was because I think it's a good thought. Is like, what's Jamin's strength? He can absolutely freakishly run. He's also apparently pretty good at rushing the passer, not just because he had three sacks, but like he also had a sack in week one that was negated. Like he's been pretty good at it. Why don't we use him like Parsons and start moving around and just start? Because that would require a brain. That's a great idea. Whoever came up with that idea, that's a wonderful idea. But you know what? That would require ingenuity. And do you know what ingenuity? What our defensive coordinator doesn't have. And this is not a Jack Del Rio podcast. That was last week's episode, so I won't go down there. And, and I wanted to make it very clear that this was not on the defense. By and large, I think the defense, outside of the big plays, and I know they gave like three or like John Kime had this stat. I think he's like we've given up. 15 plays of 39 or more yards this season when we gave up like 12 all of last year all of last year we've given like 15 already that's good it's freaking fuller keeps getting lost <laughs> fuller i mean good lord we'll he go. needs to move he needs he needs well say juice played so well on the outside i think he moved fuller inside where he doesn't have to deal with aj brown on the outside Devonte smith had kind of a god mode game yesterday yeah he, where, I mean, like, his two his touchdown catch and then the one that was just short of the goal line were both sick catches. I mean, like there was one of the, and like I think somebody tweeted this out, I think earlier today where they're like, look at all the catches and like Fuller's all over him with a hand in his face. And like, he's trying to punch the ball out too. In between the the receiver and the body and Smith still caught it. Like he had kind of a God mode game yesterday. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to like start ripping people for that one because like, that was one of those where like, you just throw your shoulders up and be like, you know, you're on, you're, you're playing out of 10 today. I can't do it. There's nothing I can do about it. Um, Davis was great. I, 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 one of the few highlights and pain home wrecker. I mean, you know, fucking we'll talk about, you know, we always talk about how our scheme can be bad. Like when Jamie gets matched up with one-on-one with the wide receiver, et cetera, whoever assigned a tight end to Deron Payne on the goal, when you're on the two yard line, it's bad. That's a bad play call because pain. <laughs> just he, he just dude. He just <laughs> threw him. He threw him off to the side. It was magnificent, right? That oh, was awesome. Oh, um, please resign pain and let sweat go. Just do it. I was thinking about this today, and I was like, I know they're not going to because they're stubborn to a fault, but they're going to – I was like, what they're probably going to end up doing is putting the franchise tag on someone like Cam Carl and and letting Payne walk. You know, they'll, the, But I was like, I, I don't care. I don't know how the cap – but clearly teams like the Rams prove that cap economics don't really exist. Like you can just no, sign just, everybody, everybody all the time. just make it all a signing bonus, and you can sign whoever the hell you want. Yeah, that that requires – yeah, yeah, I was going to say that requires an owner that has money, which we don't have. Um, but I was going to say, I'm like, just fucking franchise pain. Just do it. Oh, first down. He caught it. Just, just eat your pride and do it. Um, I mean, it makes sense, but we're not going to do it. Cause we're not going to do it. I have resigned myself to our defensive tackles next year being Jonathan Allen for Darian Mathis. Like that's, that's just how this works. And that really, really sucks. Just like, you know, there was a glimmer of hope we'd bring back Trent. There was a glimmer of hope that brings back Sheriff. And, and obviously neither of those happened. I think pains in that. And that. And this brings me to the, my point. So a lot of people are yelling about this today. And I think this is where the validity comes in. Coaching, all, everything you said about the lack of preparation is 100% spot on. It's getting old at this point. Like it's getting just really, really annoying. Dude, we've but, been a quarter of our games, 20 points before we scored. But the thing that makes me even more mad is I think there is a certain level of hubris slash ignorance. Oh, fucking CD lamb. Um, in, uh, in the way we've constructed this roster, right? Like we've done a lot of patchwork wing and prayer uh, approach to, as I said before the season, the interior offensive line, like Norwell and Turner were guys on the scrap heap. And we were like, you know what? They'll do. That's fine. Compared to like a team like just throwing somebody out randomly, like the Cleveland Browns, who are like, you know what, we're going to dumb down and water down our offense, but we're just going to build this big bully offensive line and make it work. And now fucking Jacoby Brissett is managing the managing the shit out of games for them. And, you know, it ain't sexy, but it's effective right now. And 
Same thing with our secondaries. Like, all right, we got three good players, although we'll take one of them and grossly play him. Like, Holy shit, that was a good catch. Uh, play him out of uh, play him out of position in William Jackson. That is going to be one that's going to bother me for a long, long time, the way we continually misuse him. Uh, and then, you know, and then just completely neglect our depth. And then, oh, by the way, we're going to go get this really expensive quarterback because we've been having a hard on to get the quarterback position rectified for understandable reasons. There's just there's a lot of mismanagement with the way the roster is constructed. And I think those things, particularly the offensive line and interior offensive line, which I will continue to harp on, uh, is coming back to bite us in the ass. Yeah, I mean, last year we had uh, Flowers, Ruye, and a combination of Schweitzer and, and uh, Scherf, right? I think Flowers Walk was another bit of hubris. Um, and now we're rocking with Norwell and Turner. And I got to be honest, I think Norwell might be the most unathletic offensive lineman I've ever seen. Uh, I'm sure I know he was great when he was younger, but he ain't younger. I was going to say his best days are well behind him. And there's um, a reason Jacksonville was fine letting him go. Yeah. Or where so, he was last season. I think the interior is now officially a problem. If, if I was in charge of the commanders right now, uh, there's a couple of moves I would make immediately. One, I would re-sign Flowers uh, because we need guard depth. Um, and I would, whoever the center is we signed from the Texans last week, like he starts because I think Schweitzer belongs at right guard and allow Turner to kind of just be the backup. That's what I would do. First, first thing in offense. Uh, second thing I would do is I would uh, move Fuller into the slot and let St. Jude stay on the outside with um, – I'm assuming Willa Jackson's going to play next week. Uh, I think our defense is going to gel more and more and more because, and I tweeted this from our account, under Del Rio, our defense has been by and large at its best when we've had three safeties on the field. We now have three safeties. I know your your boy, McCain, uh, Curl, and Forrest can all play together. Curl can now play that Buffalo nickel, play up near the line where he belongs. Also, yes, he met, he <laughs> – he whiffed on a tackle and got its touchdown. Overall, though, tight ends did not mess with us that much uh, yesterday because Curl was roaming around covering them most of the time. Yeah, Curl, Curl grossed on the uh, grossly whiffed on the on the yeah, he, screen, he went for the like... knees and then he just whiffed. Yeah. Um, but my point is, is like I think the defense will get better. Plus, I do. With, I'm excited that when Chase comes back, he might take him a few games. But like he's just too physically gifted not to be good. Um. This will tell you my sentiments on the defense where I actually wrote down one or two positive notes about Bobby McCain yesterday in my notes. My hope is Jamin's figuring it out. And I called him a bust two weeks ago, and I hope I'm wrong. I, you know, I think I actually look at it from the opposite perspective than what you were saying. I was like, I hope the coaches maybe realize that, that there's a way we could use Davis because whatever we've been doing is not working. I am a huge, I'm a so huge can make him a DN that. and start rushing him. Was that were you? Was it you and I were talking about? Or was it somebody else? That Mike Tomlin quote that like there's no such thing as a bad player or there's no such thing as an unreceptive player. The only thing there is is an unreceptive coach. And not me. And in Davis, Davis's speed alone should be should be told go get the quarterback. And I think you know that that goes for something. Um, this is stop, not stop worrying about what the play is. Right. Just, just, okay. just turn them loose. Just let him go. I don't know. That, I mean, seems, that seems too simple. And, <laughs> McCain broke up. I almost texted you yesterday. McCain broke up a pass in the end zone uh, with A.J. Brown. With A.J. Brown, to, I have the same <laughs> one written down. I was about to be like, there's your boy. Yeah. I, I was like, I can't even I, – I, I, I said this is a this is not going to be one of the episodes. I will I'm, I, I will be one of the primary drivers of the fire Jack Del Rio bandwagon. It's the old Bill Simmons joke that if they decide they want to fire Jack Del Rio, I'll drive him to the airport and I'll pack his bags for him and I'll buy I'll buy him a first class ticket upgrade uh, to get out of town. Um, not today or not not after yesterday's game because I mean it, the the offense was just pitiful, just pitiful. And I just I just simply can't understand the fact that when other teams are blitzing us, we act like we've never seen this before. We act like there's space aliens coming with this new technology that we have no idea how to handle it. Or how to what to do it against it? Do you think Ron is on the hot seat? Not yet. What does it take for Ron to be on the hot seat? Uh, four six win season. Then he enters next year in suit in kind of like Gruden's last year, kind of lame duck. Like you need a prayer to kind of to 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 go past that. But I think there is a certain um 
cognizance on Snyder's part that if I kill Rivera now, fire him midseason, this job is completely untenable or this job is completely undesirable. I think there's a certain See, I... understanding among the, among the organization that remember, and this is the same argument you can make for Del Rio. Okay, you fire him, but you need to replace him with somebody. And is the grass greener on the other side of the fence? See, I, I, I've been going back and forth. This I don't know the answer is. I, I, I really feel like we're stuck between a rock and a hard place. Yes. Um, um, yeah, I feel like we're stuck between a rock and a hard place because I think the NFL's passed Ron by a bit. He's kind of an old school guy. Um, and I know a lot of people point this out today. I think it bears mentioning with, with how bad we looked in the start of these games. This is Ron's 12th year as a head coach. And in the previous 11 seasons, he's had eight losing records. Like he doesn't have a lot to hang his hat on except for that one Super Bowl season. And he had a God mode quarterback that year in Cam Newton. Cam Newton he was also, unstoppable. He also, had, he also had two God mode linebackers in right. Davis and Keekley. And that's probably the best year of Josh Norman's life. The only good year of Josh Norman's life. The only good year. He, he, he got paid by us because of it. Yeah. Um, point being is like, I don't think he's that good of a coach. But here's where I think we're stuck between a rock and a hard place. A, can we do better? Probably not. No. And B, we actually need Ron at the head of our organization. Like, he does more good for our organization than anything just because he's in charge of it. Yeah. Because Lord knows, Lord knows Dan's not doing us any good. You know what I mean? Like, Ron, what coach What coach that has his hubris can come in and be like, it's my team? None. And kind when of – Sean Payton comes in, we, we were fucked. We'll make him look bad. You can give us Peyton Manning. We make him look bad. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We are. We are absolutely assessed. We're Chernobyl uh, 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 of coaching. So I use Chernobyl all the time. I just watched that. Finally watched that series on HBO, and it was absolutely incredible. The Have oh, you finished it? Yeah, I just finished it. The episode where I think it's the second episode where they go into the basement and it goes black, but you can hear the and they're in the hazmat suits. That gave me so much anxiety. Oh my god! I was like, I was like, turn it off. I can't watch it. There were a few scenes where I had to like, I actually, as a grown adult, I had to fast forward it because I'm like, I can't, I can't handle this. Like, this is too chilling. The other one was where, um, I'm sure you saw it. Oh, you remember this part, but like where they go and they're like, we have to kill all the animals. And like, there's the pack of puppies there. And then you hear the gunshot. And I'm like, I I, I can't, I can't watch this. I, I, I got to forward this. Um, yeah. Anyway, point back on track. We're, we're absolutely oh. radioactive. And cause it's like, if you look at, I mean, Fuck, it's easy to look at the other organizations. Like, look at Miami right now, right? With Mike McDaniel. Look at some of the other organizations who are get, giving the coaching or giving the, the opportunity to younger blood or more, you know, innovative blood. I mean, shit, you even want to look at Dayball in, in New York, although he has absolutely nothing to work with, but I still worry about him as a coach in terms of him being a good coach. And, you know, Rivera, I, I think, yeah, great culture setter and stuff like that. I'm not going to fault him. He needs to be him. like our president of the organization. Right. He, I would love for him. He doesn't need to be our coach. CEO, he just right? needs to be the head of it. But I think to even to that point, his dogmatic loyalty to his staff is killing us. It's absolutely killing us. He can't keep retaining the same people over and over and expecting different results. And that's where we are right now. I mean, when you've lost, when you've had 11 seasons of coach and eight of them are losing, and yet you you still keep bringing in Carolina players and retreads that you've lost tons of games with. I.e. Andrew Norwell. Norwell. Uh, Trey Turner. I mean, Trey Turner. I was like the whole. It feels like the whole damn line. Uh, hell, Heineke, you could put into that. To that box. Um, I just like. I feel like the NFL has evolved so much. Um, and I've said this a thousand times on this podcast, like it's a passing league, it's a passing league, it's creative. You got to find ways to, to, you know, be creative and, and scheme all this stuff up. And we're, I just feel like we're a mismatch of parts that doesn't fit. And our coordinators kind of suck. Like I was a big Scott Turner fan for a while, but like I'm out on him now. Like, I just don't think he's a good coordinator. I just think that we haven't done It's I, I won't pull that plug yet, but I feel like it's like we we opened up we opened up our playbook against Jacksonville, and it's almost like we dumped everything out against Jacksonville, and then we didn't have anything that we kept in the back to like reveal during the course of the season. It's like 
let's bukake everything from that we 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 did in the offseason against the Jaguars. And then okay, now you put everything on film and they're like, all right, now what do we do? Yeah. I don't know. Bottom line is we suck. Uh good news though. Here's here's a couple of good news. The last three times we made the playoffs, we've been one and two. Uh it's because we're always one and two. We uh or oh and three. We all all of us, every single every single person that looked at the schedule this year said the line the Eagles were gonna beat us. So it's not like we gained or lost anything. We all knew we were gonna lose the game. Um also the Eagles are good, but I thought we played well enough to be like we can beat them if we had any sort of confidence on offense. Couple plays here and there in in the second half, like I said, like the dots and drop among other things. We crawl, we crawl back into the game and suddenly things start to look a little different. Very similar to what happened to the Lions game. I want to go back again to that point. Uh, my buddy Ari said this and among other people. How bad must your coaching staff be that literally what happened against Detroit, you had exact Xerox of it the following week. The following week, seven days later, the exact same thing happened. Did you learn nothing? What did you do over the past six days? Nobody knows. The best, uh, the best tweet I saw today, my buddy, I think uh, my buddy Kane sent us something, maybe the Smalley, I don't know. Also, shout out uh, Chester Times. Happy birthday, buddy. Uh, this uh, I just pulled up the tweet because it's funny. <laughs> it's from Commander's Muse. Today's game was the first time the Commander's been scoreless in the first half since week two of 2022. <laughs> Back-to-back weeks have been sh- shut out. 22 nothing and 24 nothing. Nine sacks. Yeah, Nine it's sacks. It's like we were facing – I wrote this in my notes. I'm like, it's like we were facing Reggie White and Clyde Simmons in their prime, right? Like, what? Butcher Cox needs to retire. Dude, just just stop wrecking everything against us. Please. Yeah, I was going to say, stop owning us. And the thing that makes me mad, like I said, circling back to the very top, is that all the stupid Eagles fans who wanted to tell me about what a you know how stupid we were for Carson Wentz all ended up proving proving themselves true. Yeah, Which because he's a, mental, he's a mental midget. He was scared. He was scared. I'll take it. Know, he's scared. He just he, he gets the yips and then he and he like I said it's it's midnight. He's he's Cinderella stagecoach at midnight. Like it's and it's just it's frustrating. And we we knew we were getting into this, right? We knew it. We Anybody who has to take a step back and look at the big pictures, and we knew we were getting the good and the bad with Carson Wentz. All the all the gorgeous deep throws that we were getting and seeing and stuff like that, you knew the other side was coming. You knew the shoe was going to drop. It's just frustrating in the circumstances, given everything else that took place as well. Yeah. It's funny how the NFL works, though. Like, we beat Dallas. Let's say we beat Dallas. All of a sudden, we're 2-2, two and two, and the whole narrative changes. I don't know. I mean, it's going to be really hard to shake the stink bomb. I know yeah, it is. emotions we, I mean, are week to week. I I am very scared that we are on a roller coster of a four and thirteen season right now. <laughs> it's entirely possible. The only saving so grace bad. is that you know the schedule is still pretty, re- still relatively friendly. I mean, what I think we have over the next four game quadrant after Dallas, you've got things like Tennessee, you've got Indianapolis, you've got Chicago, um, and I can't forget who's sandwiched in between those other games. Um, I want to say it's Green Bay, but I can't. That don't that doesn't sound right. Um, I thought the I thought the Bears were right after Tennessee. Oh, that's possible. That's that may be it. That might or that's maybe Thursday night. That's the Thursday night game, isn't it? I mean, yeah, it is the Thursday night game. So maybe it's Tennessee, Chicago, and uh, in Indianapolis. Um, yeah, because that would round out most of October. Anyway, Dude, this is they're just showing highlights of Parsons right now. Just lined up all over the place. Oh, wow, the you know, dude, the freaking Cowboys pass rush is going to be a problem. Yeah. Uh, but they're just basically saying, "Go get him. Don't worry about anything else. Just go get, go, go crush Danny Dimes." Watch him. You know, that's a good back foot throw. Um, what was I going to say? Uh, that's going to be another thing, right? Now, the whole concept of Trayvon Diggs being a shutdown corner is the is one of the what biggest, a throw. Big the big uh, bits of, behind you. Big uh, bits of fake news. Um, but um. Even if they do try to roll coverage on Terry, it's going to be on the other guys, although they can't because now Samuels actually tends to be Wentz's favorite target. Um, we cannot wait to the third quarter to target Terry. He's our best playmaker. We have to protect him. We have to, like, as you just saw. Throw him a quick screen. Throw him Dallas's something. Just get the ball in his hands. If, and I think it was the Browns. I was listening to the, the Athletic podcast, and, uh, and they were talking about this in the Browns-Steelers game. 
the Browns literally went max protect a few times in that game and had like one man routes. If that's what we need, do that. Do it. Right. Do that. Terry's good enough. Like just do it. You, you can't. Oh, you're going to enjoy that hit in a second. Um, you, you can't you can't do this where we're, the guy's getting sacked or getting hit just repeatedly, right? Like it's no flag. No, it, who the fuck is Wilson? I don't know. Anyway, we'll call it there because because I'm now I kind of I want Dallas to win so we can beat him next week and then everybody will be two and two because the Giants will lose next week. I, just I don't think the Giants to lose. The Giants aren't any good. Yeah, they're not. Uh, I love the, I think it was uh, football. It was football outsiders. It was Aaron shots from football outsiders who did this quote um, or who did this story on ESPN. They were like, the giants are in their model of, of DVOA. The giants are the, are in the bottom eight of two and O teams ever to start like in history in terms of like their overall DVOA quality. They're like, it's the most fraudulent, basically DV like two and O start that you can think of. They'll come back. Their team is garbage. They knew that there's, they're like, they're basically, everyone is auditioning for their job this year. Even Saquon Barkley, who they almost traded this offseason. Saquon looks legit, though. I mean, that touchdown run, he got up to 20 miles per hour. He was moving. He's still a bitch. I just – I don't I don't know why everyone else won't – like, he's one of those guys, if the lane is there, he's great. But if you ask him to lower his shoulders, and for a guy who looks like fucking Hercules, he just runs like a bitch. I mean, he's so athletically gifted. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. But, like – He's a poor – he's a poor man's Brian Robinson. He's a rich man's CJ Spiller. Oh, love me some CJ. So, he's a poor man, Brian Robinson. Robinson back week five. We're going defeated once he's back. All of a sudden, Gibson's playing in the slot. Woo! And who's protecting once again? Don't, uh, don't, don't rain on my parade. <laughs> don't yuck your yum. All right. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, tune in. Oh no, we won't do this next week. This I'm I'm gonna be out of town. I'm gonna miss the game, but um, I don't know. Maybe Pat will get some thoughts out. Hopefully after a win, I can do. I can go solo. Yeah, do it. Uh, fuck, because I can't. I can't do. Why can't I do? Oh, next Monday I can't do because I'm going to an NBA preseason game. But I can just, do Sunday night. Yeah, just send it over Sunday night. I'll I'll, I'll clean it up and I'll put it all I'll post it online. I'll come in with with all the takes. All the takes. Take uh, quakes. Thank you for everyone who's listening and made it this far. We will talk. Well, one of us will talk to you next week, and then hopefully we'll be doing this again after a win against the Titans. Thank you for listening to the Hail to the District podcast. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts.